Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of our show is to educate, eradicate, and to dismantle racism so that we can create a world where racial equity exists for everyone. As I begin the show today, I want to just talk with you just for a moment about advocacy in general. Yes, I want you to advocate for racial justice, but I believe that we also need to be committed to gun violence, stopping gun violence as well. There have been 43 mass shootings since the beginning of this year, 2023. We've not even had 43 days in 2023. And yet, every day, people are killed by guns. And so we need to do more in this country to talk about violence. We need to talk about other ways of handling ourselves when we are upset and uh, angry. We need to talk about, of course, mental health, but we also need to talk about gun control. We know that this issue is a complex one, and we shouldn't just be in this place where we're saddened when there's a mass shooting, and then we go on with our lives, or perhaps not even pay attention to the news because we hear it so often. What I want us to do is to be committed to change. I want us to be committed to change as it relates to racism, to gun violence, advocating for whatever group you feel very strongly about. Be committed to it. But as a country, we must be committed to stopping violence. We also know that there's an intersectionality between gun violence and race, and that is not the topic of our show today. But my point to you and my plea to you is that we all stand up for what is right for everyone. I know that each of us, we, we say that we have rights. It's my right to carry a gun. Of course it is. But it is about more than just the carrying of a gun. Why does a six-year-old have a gun or access to a gun? Why does that happen in our country? Why do we get to this place where we feel a need to even just have a gun for protection? I, I know people who have guns who've decided that they're going to just carry a gun because, hey, I need to be prepared. Is that the world that we really want to live in? So I want to implore you today, even as we're talking about something very different on the show today, is to think about what you can do to decrease violence in this country. Think about the ways in which you can talk about gun violence. Think about what you can do in terms of writing to your politicians or even just having the conversation with family members and friends. We have to do something about violence. We have to do something about teaching people to get help if they are suffering in any way with mental health issues. And we have to also teach people in this country how to manage issues because not everybody that engages in gun violence has a mental health issue. I wanna be clear about that. Part of this is socialization that we have learned how to handle our problems by taking a gun out and shooting folks. 
There's also a bit, if we really want to have this discussion as well, when we talk about um, crime that is committed, these assaults that are committed by people within our own racial group, what is that about? Is that internalized racism, self-hatred? There's a lot for us to examine when we take a look at gun violence in this country. And all I want to draw your attention to today is to, to say to yourselves, I am committed to living in a world that is not consumed with violence. And now ask yourself the question, what will I do about that? Today on our show, we're going to be talking about embodiment, and we're going to talk about exactly what that means. But before we get into our show today, I want to invite you to do what I always invite you to do before we begin our conversation, and just take a moment to close your eyes, if you would, and just begin to take a deep breath in and exhale Taking another deep breath in and exhaling. And as you take another deep breath in and hold it for a moment, and then to exhale, I just want you to be conscious that you are divine wisdom. Within you is a sacred power. Within you is the capacity to make choices that will not only manifest your greatness, but the greatness of others. You are the manifestation of sacred source itself. You are divinely created. You are loved unconditionally. So I just want you to breathe that in and just accept that. Accept who you are. Except that you are looked upon with divine reverence. You came into being out of divine reverence. Let that just sink in and hold on to the beauty of who you are. Once you know who you are, you're able to extend that to others in the world. So breathe in and out. And accept the fact that you are loved and you are love itself. Love is abundant. There's no scarcity when it comes to love. So just take a moment to breathe in and out. Connecting with your divine wisdom. Connecting with your specialness, uniqueness, your creativity. Breathe in and out. Connecting with your power to change the status quo. Breathe in and out, realizing that the power of one contributes to the power of many. Breathe in and out. Connecting with your courage, your boldness, 
and all who came before you, who've paved the way for you. Breathe in and out. Receiving the call and the purpose that is on your life and accepting the gifts that have been planted within you. And now make a commitment to use those gifts again to manifest your greatness and the greatness of others. Take one more deep breath in, sigh it out, and we say, and so it is, Ashe, and Amen. Today on our show, we again are going to be talking about embodiment. What is it? But before we get into really digging deep on what it is and inviting my guests to come in today, I want to just share with you the story of Sarah Bartman, who was of South African descent. And Sarah Bartman was a woman who was taken from her home by a British ship doctor because she had body parts that were different from other people. She had... Um, what they call an unusually large buttocks. Not only that, she had an elongated um, uterus. So she was considered exotic, a freak. So she was taken by William Dunlop, who promised her that she would work as a servant in Cape Town. But instead of employing her, she was taken to England and she was exhibited as a uh, sideshow attraction under the name Hottentot Venus. Have you ever heard of her? If you haven't, this is another reason why we should know our history. So here's the thing. Because, and, and let me correct something. I said an elong, elongated uterus, I meant labia. Because of that, though, being displayed in London and in Paris, she was made to perform tricks, dance, sing for the entertainment of spectators. She was treated poorly. She was sexually assaulted and died at the age of 26 from syphilis. Can you imagine what she experienced? physically, mentally, and spiritually, all because of how other people viewed her. Her remains, when she died, this is the thing that's important to know, when she died, they cut up parts of her body, cut her body up and displayed it, displayed her remains all over the world. So in 2002, the South African government successfully campaigned for the return of her remains to South Africa, and she was laid to rest. I would venture to say 
that this feels a little redemptive. In some ways, it could feel like too little, too late. The idea is we must learn to appreciate one another. And we must learn to appreciate who we are long before it gets to this point. And so I want to ask my listeners today, what are you prepared to do to appreciate others and to appreciate yourself for who you are, for who they are, for how we show up in this world? And not to degrade people and not to think less of ourselves based on how other people treat us. Because as a person of color, my people have been treated as a commodity for years. And make no mistake about it, just because we're in 2023, we are still treated as a commodity. We have to take a break. And when we come back, My guest today is the Reverend Adam Lawrence Dyer, who's actually working on his PhD. He is um, in the Graduate Department of Religious Studies at the University of Virginia. And I want to tell you that he has served in parishes before. He's taking a little bit of a break now. We'll see what happens after Uh, He's done with his PhD, but he served as lead minister in the first parish in Cambridge, and um, he is a Unitarian Universalist. He served as a chaplain at Harvard University. He is also the author of Love Beyond God, and he maintains a blog, Spiritual Wellness. Check it out at spiritualwellness.org. There is much that I could say about him, but I'm going to let him share a little bit more about himself. When we return from the break, we are going to welcome Reverend Adam Lawrence Dyer to the show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 
We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Reverend Dyer. I want to welcome you to the show today, Reverend Adam. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much, uh, Reverend Dr. TLC. It's great to be here with you and with all your listeners. Mm, So I have so many questions for you, but Before I even start out asking you to tell us a little bit more about you, why don't you tell us what we mean by embodiment so that people can in and really just be on board as you're going through talking about your journey and your experience? Well, uh, when I'm talking about embodiment and when I'm approaching embodiment as something to study, I'm looking at what it means to be in a human body. Uh, It it sounds sort of simple, but then when you think about how being in a human body is how we experience being, uh, it's not just how we experience the day or or love or whatever, but it's the entirety of how we experience being. So I feel like there's a lot more depth there to plumb in terms of research, in terms of understanding faith, in terms of understanding politics as well. I think you find that our politics today intersect with our embodiment on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be part of that conversation. Mm. So, okay. So now that we've, mm-hmm. we've kind of got that yeah. broad definition out of the way. Uh-huh. So you're a Unitarian pastor or you're not in a parish right now, but <laughs> you are a minister, right? Yes. But you weren't always a minister. So no. tell us a little bit about your background because I'm, I'm, I'm sure it influences this love and passion that you have around the conversation on embodiment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I actually came to uh, Unitarian Universalist ministry late, if you will, in life, and I came to it from uh, a very unusual place. Uh, the not to spend. I could spend hours talking about the journey, but in a short way, I started as a, as a performer. I was a dancer, I was a professional dancer and had ambitions of, of dancing on Broadway and being a star and all that kind of stuff like that. So I pursued that for a good long time. That put me onto cruise ships, which comes back into the story a little bit later, but then it steered me toward fitness and wellness. And I became a, a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer And that was amazing. I had uh, some really lovely successes with that work. And along the way, I did end up getting to Broadway. Uh, So so I had this successful mix of careers between fitness, between performing. Uh, In fact, I had a business called Performance Dance and Fitness uh, for for, for many years. And that's that's what I used as sort of my moniker and how I got out there in the world. But it was as I was getting deeper into that work, uh, I had just, I had just gotten off of cruise ships. So as I was, uh, as I was saying, I was a performer. It brought me onto cruise ships. I became a cruise director. Uh, was heavily into that. Was trying to be a fitness cruise director for a while. <laughs> and um, it was after I left cruising and I was working again in wellness and fitness, massage therapist and personal trainer in Gainesville, Florida, where I thought to myself, "There's more here." There's more here. As I was working directly with people's bodies, I was experiencing their whole story. 
I was learning about how they saw, received, thought of, worked with themselves. Mm -hmm. And I said, the work I want to actually do is ministry. I think there's more for me to do with this, with this body of knowledge, anatomy and physiology and touch and sensation, all that. There's more for me to do through the avenue of ministry. And that's what directed me to uh, pursue my master's of divinity and then ultimately ordination. That's really interesting that, that you thought of the body's work as a ministry. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty neat. I mean, like, really, and, and, and when you think about it, it just shows us how we're really connected, mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, as a, as a minister, I often talk about um, this, this is, this is our temple, right? Mm-hmm. Our body is our temple. And at the same time, I acknowledge that it just happens to be the body that my spirit mm-hmm. is housed in at this very moment. So I can't, I can look at this body and I can take care of this body mm-hmm. and, and do all of those things. But I also can't judge this body or judge your body and do those things because the spirit part should, you know, um, supersede this, this, this physical body, right? It should, it should be one in which we're honoring who we are as spirit beings. Absolutely. And what's, what's complicated and it's interesting. I I love the fact that you actually began this show saying something about the, the epidemic of, uh, of, of gun violence that we're going through, because for me, actually, that is actually part of the reason why I'm committed to this idea of embodiment. When you talk about honoring, honoring the body, it is, it's, it's a deeper process than I think most people are, are accustomed to engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not all about like, yay, I'm fantastic. I'm beautiful. It, it also means looking at all the ick as well. Mm. Mm. One of the things that you learn as a minister, as you well know, probably haven't been in hospital settings, and also as a massage therapist, you, you, you become very well acquainted with just how messy human bodies are, how scattered, how discombobulated, how, how irrational, and how the beauty of the human body comes out of all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm a, as a creative person, and I think this is what has been for me, the greatest blessing in coming into both ministry, but also now into academia is that I'm coming from a creative background. I'm coming from the perspective of someone who has always said, well, maybe we can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Or or who has said, well, I haven't thought of it yet. Maybe someone else has. Let's try. Mm -hmm. And to approach the body with that kind of sense of potential and wonder and sense of possibility, I think could go a long way. And so when you talk about honoring the body, I invite people to honor their bodies by thinking, okay, this thing that I've got is a hot mess right now. Mm -hmm. And it's the only hot mess I've got. So let me work with it. There's potential here somehow. Right. But that's the key thing. Let me work with what I have right now. Now, sometimes there's certain things we're not going to be able to change. 
No. But we can still work within parameters of mm-hmm. what we have, right? You know, some of us have a body type that we'd like to be different. And perhaps that's just not how we're made up mm-hmm. genetically, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we have to embrace that and say, what can I do within my current genetics? What if, you know, or, or if something happens where I can no longer walk, mm-hmm. well, what can I do with the body that I have? Right. Oh, one of the One of the most powerful experiences I had as a massage therapist leading me into ministry there were several, uh, but one of the most was working with people who, have, who suffer from chronic pain. So chronic pain leaves you with a sense of wanting to leave your body behind mm-hmm. because it is so constant, because it is uncontrollable, because it is well outside of your realm of things that you can do something about, yet you have to deal with it at all times becomes this this process of reorienting yourself to what is pain. Mm. And that doesn't mean taking away pain. And that and you could substitute the word pain for many other things. But I I was I was really transformed by again working with people who who suffer from pain and and feeling helpless in my hands, feeling like I can't change their pain with my hands. Mm. But I did have the ability to, to to accompany them with that pain so that that pain was not compounded by isolation, mm. was not compounded by judgment, mm. and that it found a new place to live in them. So I wonder, you know, as I'm as I'm listening to you talk, this this phrase spiritual bypassing comes up, you know, especially you know, those of us who, who are in the church can sometimes just say, it's just my cross to bear, or uh, I'm going to just pray about it and blah, 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 blah. You know, you know, yes, the things. It sounds like to me, though, what you've done is you've taken the understanding of the body mm-hmm. and merging it with ministry in a way that helps people to walk through their actual experience of what's happening in the body. And in some ways, um, even though you didn't say this, I'm imagining you're still taking it to that um, spiritual place of how do we still then stay connected with higher source in the midst of this and understanding ourselves from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and I, I always have to be careful. I have a really highly developed sense of spirit (laughs) in my personal theology. Um, and I don't like to impose that on others. Um, but yes, I, I, I am a firm believer, and this is applicable to work on racism. And this is how I approach anti-racism work. When I'm speaking with people who want to have conversations about race, it's the same thing. I ask them to be present with not the aspiration, but the now. Mm. Say, where are you now? Mm-hmm. How do you particularly when I'm speaking with a group uh, 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 that is predominantly white, I ask them, how do you understand whiteness? That's usually the first question. Mm-hmm. What, what do you know about whiteness? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do you know about whiteness in relationship to anything else? Yeah. And it's that, that, that beginning with a reality that helps you get, to, I think, I've, I've seen people at least get to a place of, I won't even go as far as to say reconciliation, but a place of, of, 
willingness to deal? Well, I think it's so important and, and, and we're going to have to take a really quick break, but it really is important to ask those questions and then really to kind of talk about what do you experience because you embody white skin? What do you experience because you embody black or brown skin, right? And so those are ways in which we get people to think about the here and now how my life might be different from someone else's. You know, um, in Peggy McIntosh's mm -hmm. um, article, Unpacking the Knapsack, you know, White Privilege, Unpacking the Knapsack, you know, she asked these questions of people who are taking the survey to say, you know, basically, what can I assume based on my skin color? Not based on, you know, the fact that I'm a woman, not based on the fact that I'm LGBT. No, based on your skin color, can you walk in a store and see somebody and expect to see the person who's in authority to look like you? And when you get people to start answering that question just based on skin color, it's like, oh my gosh, wow, right? But we have to take a quick break. We're going to be right back to continue our conversation about embodiment, and we're going to keep going deeper and deeper into what does it have to do with race and racial equity. We'll be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Reverend Dyer, and we've been talking about embodiment. So before the break, we were talking, just getting into the discussion around embodiment and race. And so 
Could you say a little bit more about embodiment and really how we as people of color, particularly people of African descent, what are some positive ways that we've embodied who we are? And then what are some of the ways in which we've negatively embodied who we are? Wow. I, I, I will probably answer this in a very, very roundabout way. There's so much there, uh, certainly, to unpack. I, I think, you know, the, the ways in which we have embodied uh, Blackness in a positive way is the fact that we're still here. I mean, that, that's <laughs> the, the, to me, that is the most straightforward thing right there. Um, I was recently in conversation with a colleague and wrote, wrote something. I may publish it. We'll see. It's a bit, you know, as you do. Uh, and it, it basically says, look, Black folks have survived an apocalypse. Mm. Amen. (laughs) We are what you get when Mm. the world comes to an end. Mm. We're the survivors. Mm. Uh, You could say the same about Native and and Indigenous people and anyone else who has faced the erasure of their people and their pasts and their histories. So I'm always conscious of that and grateful to have that DNA uh, swirling around in me. It, may, it brings to mind, I had a conversation recently with a group of young Black men where I posed the question of whether or not, and this was in relationship to their, their higher learning institution, whether or not they felt like renters or mm. owners wow. of, their, of their education. And, and it, it comes from that same place because so often, and this gets a little bit into the negative thing, and it was so often people of African descent in the United States in particular are expected to be renters. Mm. And we tell ourselves that we can only be renters of yes. our experiences, yes. of our, of our physical locales, mm-hmm. um, of our educations, our achievements, etc. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. And this is also someplace where I think faith has done some harm sometimes. Mm-hmm. It has, it has let us say, Oh, well, yes, it, that's temporary. That's fine because there is more in the afterlife. Ah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, listen, I, I have a, a love for, for talking about the wounds of religion. And that yeah. is one where we're, we're often taught really that if a person is rich, there's something wrong with mm-hmm. that person. Why can't we have it all? Why can't we have that and still be spiritually grounded and morally connected? You know, I'm wondering here, here's what I'm curious about as we talk about this, this embodiment. And I remember teaching this in my class before when I taught about Sarah Bartman, because I showed a video and I can't, I wish I could pull it up and tell people where to find it, but it was comparing what happens on her body with dancers for entertainers mm-hmm. where they're in the thongs and shaking their butt and mm-hmm. uh, allowing a credit card to be mm-hmm. run down their bottom. Talk to me, if you would, about the, the distinction mm-hmm. between embracing our bodies and saying this is who we are versus when it is used for exactly what you just said, renters. 
of our bodies and not owning and care. As you can see, I'm a little passionate about it. Yeah, a little bit. You may have a different per- perspective because there are those who say, well, she has a right to do whatever she wants to with her body. And I get that it is her right. But I often wonder how many times have has it been ingrained in us, particularly women, this is what we do with our bodies. And so mm. let's, let's display it all. Uh, I have uh, so many different thoughts about that because you know I sit here in my in my with my you know what are these Oakley glasses and tie and working on a PhD and I was a body model I modeled modeled for art classes Uh, I did some go-go dancing I was a dancer my body was a commodity for the first half of my life Mm. I worked side by side with people who were strippers, with people who were prostitutes, with that, you know, no judgment on that. And so I bring, I guess, a different sensibility of it. I think there is a real celebration of the body that we don't allow to happen here in the United States and in Western culture in general. Because so much of embodiment, both black and white and everyone else, is caught up in 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 commodification. You mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. Modification of the body. How do I make money off of my body? Well, as someone who has literally made money off of his body, mm-hmm. I know that it's not just black and white. So I get that. Yeah. I get that it's not just black and white. There's a place. You said the the important thing of celebrating. Mm-hmm. Your body, right? So I went to this wonderful performance last night by Step Africa. If people have never mm-hmm. gone to Step Africa, go and see them. And I could appreciate the ways in which, and they, you know, those youngsters were showing off their bodies, mm-hmm. um, but not in a way that was dehumanizing. Mm. It was celebrating our African culture. Because I get when these people are out there twerking, they're they're getting stuff from the motherland, okay? The ways in which our bodies move and they can do all of those things. When you see people in the motherland dancing like that, it's, it's not even, well, it doesn't feel as sexualized, but what do I know? Maybe it could be sexualized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My point is this, for me as a woman, and I know that there are many out there who would disagree with me on this, is that when we're in this place of this is what I have to do to be loved, Mm -hmm. this is what I have to do to feel important, this is what I have to do to get to the top of my game. And I don't think so. I think we have to examine what Mm -hmm. does it feel like for you internally? Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to you psychologically, spiritually? And only you can answer that question. You know, I, I get engaged in conversations all the time with fellow psychologists about uh, people who who are pornographic stars, mm-hmm. right? There's a there's there's a whole conference that we have around people and their use of their body, and I get that. I get if people are completely owning it, but what I think happens all too often is most people aren't even going deep enough. Mm-hmm. to really embrace the bodies that they have and to make a conscious decision. I said conscious decision 
about yeah. why they're using their body in that way. Yeah, I, the, the, the culture doesn't ask that of us. The mm -hmm. culture also doesn't make many spaces for that. The culture tends to judge the body first, uh, regardless of how you're going to use it. It judges the body as big, small, black, white, whatever. And then we're asked to make decisions about those bodies. I think some of this goes back to our, our rather tenuous understanding of sexuality as well. Uh, as long as we understand, as long as we only understand sexuality in terms of, of power dynamics and give and, and take, as opposed to meeting, like I, I'm a, a big proponent of the idea that sex isn't one or the other, sex isn't one on the other, mm. sex is actually happening in that liminal space between the two. That's not just the sex act. When I talk about using the body uh, for, for erotic display, there's that, again, intention. Mm. Like, what is the intention? Do I, am I intending for you to engage, to be at that place where you can engage my body and my embodiment? Mm. Is that intentional and deliberate? Or are you taking it? And yeah. it's the taking that has damaged so many people. And the expectation that in order for it to be successful, one has to be put themselves in a position where it's taken. That is what I work against. Right. And I think that that's what I'm like internally responding to when I mm -hmm. see um, when I see the ways in which particularly our young entertainers, for instance, mm -hmm. and this has been for years uh, where these big companies are making money off of the ways in which they are sexualized, yeah. right? The ways in which they are taught, even in certain songs, mm -hmm. our own people degrade us one another, mm -hmm. you know, in the ways in which we talk about one another, the way the language that we use to call each other, you know, the B words and this mm -hmm. and that. And I understand for some people it's a term of endearment. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we're using it to de to, to degrade people. Mm -hmm. And so it is important though, when we talk about this idea of embodiment, is to really ask ourselves, is this particular act honoring my body or the other mm -hmm. person's body, or is there some ulterior motive? We're going to continue the conversation when we come right back. We are discussing embodiment with my guest, the Reverend Adam Dyer, and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. 
Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Reverend Dyer, and I want to ask you, there's so many things I want to ask you and so little time left to ask you. Are there ways in which when we talk about race in wanting to dismantle racism, are there ways that you can, or, or, or is there a suggestion that you would have for white folks around embodiment and racial equity and, and for um, people of color and embodiment mm. and racial equity. So it's a pretty general question to let you take it wherever you'd like to take it. I think there are, there are a few key things I hope are useful for people to understand as they think about embodiment and, and race. And one of them is kind of complex, so maybe I'll just hang out there for a bit, is we are always being taught in the United States and in Western culture to look for things that are universal. You know, there's that whole trend toward, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, um, colorblindness and, you know, we're all the same and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm a firm believer that, no, actually, we're all really, really different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if uh, our anti-racist white allies can take more time to really invest in understanding how very different we all are mm-hmm. and what those differences are. I think I think our capacity to understand the limitless variations of being human is sorely untapped. Mm-hmm. When you, when you, I, I am so grateful to have traveled around the globe and physically been present with many, many different people, but one shouldn't have to get on a cruise ship and sail across the Pacific to recognize that, wow, we are different. And that's not a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. just a thing. And it's a part of being a human thing. So what can we do in the anti-racism spaces to more clearly acknowledge, accept, hear, understand, and receive the differences that other people bring? And that takes patience. It takes generosity. It takes grace. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It takes a really rich sense of not feeling threatened by someone else's difference. Mm-hmm. And we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of work to do. I believe it is possible. And it, I believe it's possible through ministry, but I know it's possible through other avenues as well, including academia. There's some lovely scene, lovely changes I'd love to see in academia. Right. So what about for our kindred, our black and brown kindred? What do mm-hmm. you what do you hope for us as it relates to embodiment? Mm. My greatest hope is that we stop operating within the framework of oppression, Mm. that there is a reckoning that we have with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I also see this manifesting in conflicts between, you know, oppression Olympics between black and brown folks. Right. Uh, You know, all scrambling after the same little scraps. I'm like, what is that? Mm -hmm. What, What do we need to do to really reconceive ourselves mm-hmm. as something as someone's as people as a people who don't need oppression to be defined that's right that's right you know it's interesting because as you're talking about this <laughs> one of the things that's coming up for me too is that often the reason why we do so much damage to one another internally whether it be black versus brown or black black we begin to dehumanize one another in the same ways in which other folks have dehumanized us and we're all like you said fighting for the same Mm -hmm. you know the pie is really what we're doing and so until we can be in this place of completely embodying who we are as individuals we will never be able to embrace each other collectively and see each other beyond uh, these human bodies into a spiritual body. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I want to ask you about this, and it's tangentially related Mm -hmm. to uh, race, although you might have a bit more (laughs) to say about it than than I know. I think about age. (laughs) Age and embodiment. You know, I, I read something the other day and it really caught my attention it was about this older woman going into a place and someone was just observing and the person who asked to help her said how can i help you today young lady and we all do it we all kind of call people when they are older hey young lady hey that's not and so the person's question was why don't we embrace age Mm. country Mm -hmm. Why do we have to make it about them staying young? Mm-hmm. And it made me think about it. So I'm very, now I don't really do that anymore. Go, hey, young lady. And even if I'm tempted to, because what we're doing is valuing age, young mm-hmm. age over older age. So tell me what you think about it as it relates to embodiment. We, we only have a few more minutes to go, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure, sure. I think it's actually a little bit of the 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 flip on that. I I I recognize absolutely we we prioritize youth. We praise youth. We we pay youth. Not enough, but we pay youth. We pay for youth. 
I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't actually have systems in our culture, or we've been forced as black people to let go of systems of, of pride in elders. Mm-hmm. Mm. We talk about, you know, my grandmother's sweet potato pie. We talk about the, all, all these things associated with the elders, but what do we actually do with them? Right. With the elders themselves? Like, how do we actually hold the elders in our lives from day to day? Right, right. And how, what, are, what, are, what does ancestorship mean? How do we understand ourselves as future ancestors? These are the questions we, we've got we to tease out. Well, we have to tease them out. And as you're talking, I'm also thinking about embracing our body types. Right. Because we are we are different. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know we only have have about three minutes left, but I want to say this really quickly. I remember Viola Davis talking about her role for Ma Rainey and -hmm. how she had to have that bodysuit on. And I saw her in an interview and she said, well, actually, when I had that on, I felt more powerful because I can remember my, my big mama, my aunties and all that. We there was a time when we embraced our body types. Now, does that mean that we don't need to do some things differently to take care of our bodies? Yes, of course we do. But there's some things we need to just embrace because it is what it is, right? Well, listen, Reverend Dyer, it has been so great to have you. Thank you. Please tell me, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, The best way is through my blog, spiritualness.com or spiritualness.org. Uh, those are the best places. I'm also available on Twitter at uh, AdamDyerSays.com uh, mm-hmm. um, and Adam Lawrence Dyer on Instagram. So those are the places to find me. Well, thank you so much. And we'll have that information as well up on our site. Now, tip a blessing or words of inspiration you could offer to us as we end the show. Um, I was thinking I would do a prayer, a formal prayer, and I'm like, well, I'm feeling a little rusty there, but let me just offer this. We are in bodies. Everyone engaging this, this program today is in a body, and those bodies are made of cells, and those cells are all dying. They are dying and dying and dying, and at some, at some point, we will lose the race against the dying cells and we will no longer be here and our cells are made of matter that will remain after we're gone so my question to you all really is does our essence that creates our being our smiles our hearts our loves is it in the cells or in the matter I think it's in the matter. And I think that's why it matters. Not to be too cliche, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no so, so so embrace embrace your matter and the time that you have here mm-hmm. and now and do everything you can with it to make it glorious and wonderful and full of love. Well, Reverend Adam Lawrence Dyer, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. It's been a delight to have you. And I want to thank you, my listeners, and for coming each and every week to listen to the show or whenever it is that that you listen um, and for downloading the episodes. Please make sure that you subscribe 
to the show as well. And I want to invite you to go to sacredintelligence.com if you want to learn more about me and how you can work with me privately or how I can work with your group. Don't forget also to go to your favorite uh, music streaming platform and download my meditations because the meditations are there to guide you, to help you, to fortify you for this work on dismantling racism. Now stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.